Welcome to Money in the Air, the music podcast about neighboring rights, the royalties you earn from the public performance of your recordings and the business of music in general. Brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. I'm Andrew, co-founder and chief royalty officer of Royalty. Hi, I'm Gina Deacon. I work for Absolute Rights Management and I work with record labels and artists to ensure we claim the royalty income due to them. I'm Stacey Haber and I'm from Inside Baseball Music Publishing. Hi, I'm Tanya Oliveira. I work for Transparent Entertainment Group. I handle registrations and repertoires for performers and rights holders around the world. Hey, welcome back to Money in the Air, the Neighboring Rights podcast brought to you by IFR. We have a very special guest today. With us is Eve Horn. Hi, Eve. Welcome. (laughs) For those of you out there who've not met Eve before, she is the owner and founder of Pete and We Are the Unheard. She empowers female, non-binary and transgender women in music, teaches them how to produce, how to engineer, how to write, how to record. She is just the embodiment of empowerment today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I want to talk about what you know and what you teach others about their neighboring rights, their PPL registrations or sound exchange registrations, and how as producers, which is not a paid PPL role, they can become paid members. So do you show them how to get the eligible studio producer form from the PPL website? I talk to music producers and songwriters about actually starting to register their stuff correctly from the beginning. For instance, the other day we did a talk in Point Blank for some young people who are just finishing their courses and just about to leave. I had some one-to-ones with some of the young people and they were one guy, bless him, he is a rapper and he produces some of the stuff as well. So I was like, okay, so do you know what you need to do to start making money from this stuff? And he was like, well, I've been putting them up on YouTube. (laughs) I was like... Yeah, but do you know what you need to do to make money? I was like, so, and I had to really break it down and he knew nothing about any of them. So I was like, look, if you're the performer on this track, yeah, you're the artist rapping, you need to sign up to PPL as a performer. I said, if you're writing the rap yourself, you need to sign up to PRS. I said, and if you've produced the track, you need to sign up to MCPS. He hadn't heard of any of them and he's like frantically writing them down. And I was like, you know, it makes it so much clearer if you can like, easily show people where they need to go and let them visualize it you know ppl is performing prs is writing mcps producing like it's a very easy way of starting them off in that journey of understanding their rights and registering their rights in the correct way to start getting paid you use the term producer in terms of ownership of the recording and that's really good teaching them how they own their recording if they're the ones paying for it and bringing this is the thing that's the key word see what you said they're paying for it so many young producers now they're like yeah we're doing tracks with each other I'm like do you understand that if they haven't paid you yeah like if you're the one creating this for them and you own this you normally it would be back in the day it would be the record label would be arranging for the recording to be done so they would own the masters but since the birth of bedroom producers and things like that people don't realize that if unless they're getting paid as a producer they own the, the masters in most they, cases in yes. most cases yeah so yes. and then they have obviously the unless there's an agreement between them which That's generally right. there isn't with the young like the people That's that it. 
aren't educated in this or aren't, you know, as far along in their career, they don't understand that you need a producer-writer agreement to say, all right, you know, we will, we can own the masters together. You know, I will get this much, you can pay me this much, and then I can get a percentage. It can change depending on what you agree, right? Yeah. But and, a lot of the time, they don't do even it, know. You can do it very easily in the studio via an app. There are two yeah, really good sessions. ones. Set, I love Sessions app. That's absolutely the first port yeah. of call. There's Viva also Viva Collect. Collect. Yeah. Yep. And exactly. they were Viva Collect were I need to shout out to Viva Collect because they were partners with me on my academy and oh, all of brilliant. my participants got a year's membership to Viva Collect. Yeah, they've given our students it as well. Yeah. yeah. Gina, please will you explain for everyone listening that they have to register the rights holder share or they'll never get paid? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I was going to say to you, Eve. That's the first thing that you should ensure that your young students are aware of, that if they do earn the rights, they've got to register the recordings with PPL. Okay, so they've got to have essentially two types of accounts of PPL. One is the rights holder share to register a recording and the other is as a performer producer role. Nothing is going to get done. They can't claim a thing without having their recordings registered so they should apply to ppl for a rights holder account it's admin work it's some will find it tedious but you know what for an, maybe an hour or two every month if they keep on top of it mm-hmm. there's potential income to be earned there so get them to join as a rights holder get them to register their repertoire and at the same time they can also then claim for any contributions that they've made on that recording. So they've got to be very careful about claiming as a producer mm-hmm. because without an actual eligible studio producer form, PPL won't recognise that role. But so many of them these days, it's just not termed as producer. It could be programming, it could be keyboards, it could be any multitude of instruments. And and they should make sure that they put down every single role because yeah. every society pays differently. So just because you know PPL will pay one role, let's say programmer, but Germany will pay two roles and they'll pay for a production role. The Netherlands, the same. So, you know, every society is different. So don't just register as one role, register absolutely everything. Well, the thing Um, is as well today, producers are pretty much doing everything as well, aren't they? You know, the lines are so blurred now with the amount of roles a producer has to have. And a lot of them will mix it, learn mastering skills as well, you know, so it goes across the board. Yeah, Um, totally. Tanya, please, will you talk about VPL? Because you mentioned you too. They should get ISRCs and register those as well. Yeah, so VPL, it deals with music videos at PPL. Most of the income they receive is from like music videos like MTV, for example. Mm -hmm. So it is like a, it's dwindling away, but it's still there. And in gyms, you know, when you get those like uh, when they play music videos in gyms, and that's yeah. like an example of that. So, yeah, if there's a music video out there that you know is getting some kind of airplay, it's worth uh, registering the video, and that has its own ISRC, as Stacey mentioned. And, yeah. and as Gina mentioned, yeah, like signing up as a rights holder is so important. Without registering the ISRCs, without the producer doing that, it'll never exist on the system and there'll never be any money to assign to anyone, whether it's the rights holder, the performers, the artists. And there's also, you know, when you are inputting that data, making sure that everyone included is, their information is correct on it. Because again, like with things like PRS, 
if you're not like there's two of you that have put your data in and your collection agency and then someone hasn't, no one's getting paid from that because the information hasn't gone through the system as complete. It's these small, tiny details that people need to be completely aware of and get into the habit of starting this from the beginning. You know, it's the ugly stuff that no creative wants to deal with. But ultimately, it's the stuff that is going to differentiate because like you're all saying, there are pockets of money that millions is going unclaimed. Millions and millions and millions is going unclaimed because people don't understand this information. And I I almost feel like it's my duty to go out like as a... (laughs) As a superhero educator, like, <laughs> and help change I see this. In there. As you know, at PRS, if if you're both registering the song title, then there's a typo, or if you put in the wrong CAE number, because you know yep. it's a common name, like a Jack Jones or something. Are you putting the right Jack Jones in as the co-writer? And then there's copyright control, and and then when there's disputes and overlaps, the same at PPL on the rights holder side. If you're co-producing with a partner, it's fifty-fifty each. Cool. You might both just obviously the default is 100%. You might just both register, oh yeah, 100% of that track, you know, hey you, but you've both done it, therefore there's a dispute, therefore any income is frozen until it's resolved. But, and I I understand because we represent so many self-releasing artists and when you get the emails of tracks are in dispute, it sounds very scary and they just kind of freeze and leave it. And then it's like, no, there's money on the table. Just, you just lower your claim to 50% the money will be released. Totally. Like, oh, we need to make change, ladies. We need to make change. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> One podcast at a time. <laughs> yes. I think what you guys are doing are, is amazing and it's so inspiring. I mean, I would love to support in any way that I can and, you know, in helping to change this, really. I mean, whatever I can do is just, it's important. Good. You know? I wish together. I wish I had I had this information when I was younger. I mean, as a performer, I missed out on so much money because... Back yeah. in the day when it was PAMRA and everything was done on paper, my managers yeah. only signed me up as a regional member when I lived in Denmark. So I was signed to CODA, which would have been the PRS. They only signed me as a regional member, but the other two girls, which were Danish, were signed as international members. Then we went and toured in Japan, Philippines, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia. Our album was huge out there and I was only getting collected for in Denmark. I know. It wasn't until I got back. Uh, Yeah, it was the most frustrating. And then it was like, yeah, we only backdate six years. And I was like, thank you so much for coming on today. And please do come back again. I would love to. It's been an absolute pleasure, ladies. Anytime. Likewise. And thank you for listening. If you have any questions, email us info at IFR, I-A-F-A-R dot co dot UK. Or you can go straight to Peak or We Are Unheard and email Eve. Email addresses are on the website. So, and please join. Please sign up and help as well. We all want to do this. We'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.